Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can gather around your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. And God, you speak to us through it. And so this morning, we just open ourselves up to you afresh and just pray that you would just touch our hearts and encourage us to be doers of your word as well as hearers. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As uh, many of you know, 19 years ago, my oldest son Peter was admitted to the most secure ward of Westmead Hospital in Sydney. He had completely lost touch with reality after being swept out to sea while surfing up in Coffs Harbour. He underwent compulsory electroshock therapy uh, and was faced with being recorded as a committed psychiatric patient uh, by a magistrate. Uh, his future dreams looked to have been destroyed, but God. But God, in a moment of time, intervened, and Pete was completely healed and returned to his right mind. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. So he, he was admitted to hospital on the Sunday. I got over there the next day. He had electroshock therapy right the way through, had the magistrate's hearing on the Thursday, and just like that, completely healed. He was back in New Zealand on the Saturday. But that subsequently, of course, Pete's carved out a career playing Keyboard for Hillsong United and Hillsong Worship. He travels all over the world giving uh, keyboard and worship masterclasses. But his breakthrough, his miracle of healing, came about through my prayers over in Sydney and Penny and her prayer partner, Gloria's prayers, together back here in Whangarei. See, our prayers release the impossibilities of God into situations. And for Pete, it was impossible for him to break through for himself. And he needed other people to be able to pray for him and see him delivered in that situation. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of prayer. We are called to be a house of prayer, releasing the presence and the power of God into this world. But we start life separated from God. Uh, I love what it says in the message translation of Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, you did it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. 
All of us were lost. All of us did what we felt like doing, leaving God out of our lives. But God, in his amazing love and mercy, despite us, called us to himself and saved us. He saved us to give us abundant life. He saved us to know him and to make him known. Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And then again in John 15, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So we were created to do life with Jesus. And without God in our life, life doesn't work and life doesn't make sense. We can't do anything of eternal worth without Jesus, and we can't have an ongoing relationship with Jesus without prayer and reading his word. And so literally, our future, our destiny depends on our prayers. Uh, I find too many people are trying to build a relationship with God through other people or through church. And while others can help you, we need to get close to God for ourselves. And personal prayer is always first about relationship with Jesus. It's not about getting a shopping list of stuff answered. It's about getting to know Jesus. And then, out of that relationship with Jesus, we can be released into intercession, which is a biblical word for praying for others, standing in the gap for others, which is what Penny and Gloria and I did for, for Peter. Personal prayer brings peace to our lives. Uh, in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, when God's peace comes on us, we don't understand it. Because it, doesn't, it isn't dependent on having peaceful situations round about us. Because God's peace comes from within. And it's released in our lives through his presence as we pray in the Holy Spirit. If you are full of anxiety and stress and worry and trouble, then probably you haven't realized that God wants to help you. In, in life, we collect a lot of baggage. We collect a lot of stress. We collect a lot of frustrations that we weren't created to handle. But prayer releases that stuff to God, empties our heart, cleanses it. And the more we clean our hearts through prayer, the more we see God at work in our lives. And it's amazing that through prayer, God guides us into his plans for our life. In Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. It's amazing the number of times I've put aside what I logically thought 
and gone with what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me, and that's led me into his plans and purposes. If I was thinking logically about life, then I'd still be a biotechnologist, I'd still be working in the dairy industry, but God had a different plan for my life, which I hadn't conceived of. But the scripture tells us that the heart of a king is like rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it this way, and he can turn it that. So when you keep your heart in God's hands, you know that he can guide you, and he can lead you into his plans and purposes. We need to pray before we apply for a job. We need to pray before we buy a house, when we're looking for a marriage partner, make a business decision. We need to pray for help to raise kids. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Boy, we need help there. (laughs) We need to pray into and work at our marriages to handle hurt, conflict, have right attitudes. They're all going to come out of our relationship with God as we pray and get his wisdom in the situations and circumstances. We need to pray for the ability to be able to forgive because every one of us will have offenses come our way. In every area of life, we need to pray because God wants to help us in every area. Uh, Ephesians 3.20, this is one of those scriptures that is absolutely foundational in my life. And it says that God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even imagine. He's able to do that. Sometimes it takes longer than we think of for our prayers to be answered. So keep pushing and praying. I love that an acronym where it says, um, pray until something happens. Push. Push through. Pray until something happens. George Mueller, a great prayer warrior, prayed every day for five unsaved friends. Uh, One came to Christ after five years. Another came to Christ after 10 years. Uh, A third one came to Christ after that 10 years. And after 35 years of praying every day, a fourth was saved. After 52 years of praying every day, For his last friend, Mueller died without seeing his prayer answered. But his friend was saved at Mueller's funeral. Wow, that's persevering prayer. Our prayers, every one of our prayers, make a difference for eternity. So I'm just going to get um, David Field to come up, and he's going to share a testimony, which he says he'll keep down to an hour and a half. Thank you. Good morning. Um, my name is David, and I'm an answer to prayer, and uh, not to uh, glorify the past, but a little backstory. Uh, born and raised in uh, Watford, grew up family of five, council estate, England. It's jolly bright up here. Um, and uh, uh, a good family, uh, uh, no money, but people, nobody had money back then. And uh, there was in our house, there was, uh, there was no alcohol. Oh, sorry. There you go. Did you miss all the first bit? 
Um, sorry. Anyway, let's carry on. So it, it, we all grew up, there was no alcohol, there was no swearing, there was no violence, there was no overt love, uh, there was no religion, there was no Jesus. And um, I left school at 15, I left home at 18, I went travelling. At 20 years old, I met a young lady, a Canadian lady, uh, Karen, and uh, she was from a Christian family. Uh, we fell in love. She was the first person I ever remember telling me that they loved me. Um, when I met her mother, I was wearing, uh, I'd embraced the 70s thoroughly, and when I met her mother, I was in jandals, a sarong, and a tie-and-dye shirt, and, and I didn't feel the love from her. Um, <laughs> I wasn't what she wanted for her darling girl, and I think none of you would have wanted me for your darling girls. <laughs> anyway, uh, she was a Christian. She was, uh, that was fine, but she was a bit over the top. She was the kind of person that would say things like, praise the Lord, and when you went round for dinner, there'd be placemats with scriptures on. So it's just like too much. Anyway, um, <laughs> so some years later, we got married, um, and then the book started. And so every Christmas I'd be given a Christian book as, a, as, a, as my Christmas present. They would go into the cupboard, mint condition, unopened, and, uh, and sit there collecting dust. So uh, some years later we came to this country. I don't know why, but I brought the books with me. Maybe from hard times in the past you didn't throw anything away. And uh, I'm an avid reader, always have been. And uh, one, one time early 1987 New Zealand used to close at, at sunset. And uh, I couldn't get a book to read, and I had to. So I went into the uh, wardrobe, pulled out uh, a, a book, and it was uh, Dennis Bennett, 9 o'clock in the morning. And it was written by Christian to Christians. And um, so what caught, what intrigued me was that he, he wasn't trying to persuade me about Christ. In between the lines, I was impressed with his assuredness of Christ. And he also talked about this person called the Holy Spirit. That was kind of news to me. When I finished the book, I went back into the cupboard and found another one, uh, Brother Lawrence, practicing his presence. And, and, and Brother Lawrence, he wrote it 300 years ago, and he said, if you want to know someone, you spend time with them. And, and uh, as I, uh, I'd spent a bit of time listening to the Buddhists and the Hindus in my travels, and as, as a, I don't know why, uh, but I, was, uh, I used to say, God, okay, come on let's go drive the car and okay let's and I found after a few weeks I could bring God to mind more and more and I I was kind of pleased with myself that I could do that after about three weeks I said to God okay let's go and have a cup of tea and a smoke on the cigarette on the on the <laughs> back doorstep and uh, and I sat down on the concrete steps and God turned up and God filled me with love I was immersed I, I remember looking at my legs and realizing the love was washing through my legs and was outside me. I said, thank you, God, about three times. And, um, oh, it's a bit louder now. Sorry, did you catch the rest of it? <laughs> uh, and, um, and it told me that God was real, that he'd heard me talking to him, so he wasn't just an energy in the, in the flowers or whatever. Uh, it told me he loved me. And, and I knew then that I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Now I know he's real. I want to know more about him. But the, the, the proof of the, of the miracle, if you like, didn't dawn on me for about another three months when I re realised I'd stopped swearing. I didn't try to clean up my act. All my F-sharps had just... They'd, <laughs> they'd, they'd gone. And, um, and another thing that happened after about three months... Sorry. 
um, I need a kind of harness here, really, don't I? Um, it was, uh, I was at church one day in the back row still, and, um, and I heard a voice, and it said, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the way. And I think he said, don't take that mishmash Eastern religion stuff you, you stumbled across in your travels. Jesus is the way. And, and here we are. Pray. Sorry, I missed a bit about prayer. So, so the, one of the first things I did was write to my mother-in-law um, about thanking her for her prayers and the books. And um, because I think she kind of thought, oh dear, what have we got now? And, and, and her schemes didn't work, so she turned to Christ and, uh, and, and he took over and, and, and I'm the answer to prayer. Very good. Our prayers uh, for others really do make a difference for eternity. So mums, dads, if you've got kids, if you've got relatives, if you've got friends that don't know Jesus Christ, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. But also, we need to pray together. Uh, Over the years, I've come to believe that the praying church is the most powerful force on earth. In fact, I believe that as a church, our dreams will only be fulfilled through our prayers. Mountains are not moved through might or through power, but by the Spirit of God. And it's through corporate prayer that we release God's Spirit. As those of you know who came to the prayer meeting on Thursday night, I had one hell of a week. When, when technology fails, it fails in a big way. And uh, to cut a long story short, we ended up um, replacing our main uh, display computer and our display systems, which failed during a youth meeting, coincidentally. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Matt's leaving now. <coughs> It was a good job, actually, because we needed an upgrade. Anyway, the, the, new, computer, the, the, the new computer that, um, that uh, we bought is, for, the, for those of you who are computer buffs, is 6-core, six, 12-thread, six uh, 16-gigabyte of RAM, 6-gig of RAM and the video card and uh, all the bells and the whistles. But um, basically, 6-core, 12-thread means that the computer can do 12 processors at once, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty. It's it's like a it's like a superwoman, you know. It's it's like a superwoman with multitasking, you know. It's twelve things at once, um, but it's only twelve. It's only twelve. Deuteronomy thirty-two verse thirty says, "One can put a thousand to flight." Two can put 10,000. So while man's systems work by addition, God's systems work exponentially by multiplication. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000. So when you get to pray with somebody else, there is incredible incredible power released 
through agreement. It's not surprising that the devil will do everything he can to try and distract and stop the church from praying because he knows that a church gathered for prayer is his demise. He knows that a praying church is his end. So I want to give you some amazing things as we sort of pull this all together, Uh, things that happen when the church gets together to pray. First of all, the enemy is defeated. You know, some people don't even think there's a battle. But uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And one of our key weapons is the prayer of agreement. It's two or three gathering together to pray and claim back ground which the enemy has taken off us. Uh, We see this picture time and time and time again in the word. But people just don't see what Satan's doing. Their eyes are blinded so that they don't get together to pray. We need to wake up people. Just think of that picture. If one can put a thousand to flight, there's power in that. There is power in your prayers. But when you get together in a small group and pray, there is exponentially multiplied power in that situation and circumstances. Not only is there an attack against God's people, but there is an unprecedented attack against leadership. And that's not surprising because Zechariah 13.7 says, Smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. There is always a strategy in war. Take out the leaders and the army will be in disarray. Isn't that true? You know, uh, you see it uh, all over the place. Uh, Many leaders fall under relentless attack because they don't have people praying for them. In corporate prayer, the power of God is released to defeat enemies in a way that it isn't done when just individuals pray. So I want to encourage you, pray for the leaders. Pray for Penny and I and the pastoral team. Pray for Pastor Tark that um, God will put a hedge around about us and, and protect us from the attacks of the enemy. Pray that God will give us wisdom as we lead this congregation. You know, when Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, was faced with the combined enemy force of three armies. He got the whole country to fast and pray. And God answered their collective prayer with an amazing miracle. Read that. It's one of my favorite passages, 2 Chronicles 20. So if you're facing an attack of the enemy, the best thing to do is pray. But even better is to get a group of people to pray, and then the enemy can be defeated. That's why I always encourage people. That's why we always have an altar call at the end of the service, because I figure that if you're going through anything, it's always better if you can get somebody else to pray with you, pray for you. In fact, I always find that uh, when I'm sick, my faith level is down here. And that's why the Bible says, you know, get somebody else to pray, and they will pray the prayer of faith. And so together, 
you can break that situation, those circumstances. When the church prays, prisoners are set free. I love the stories in Acts on this one. Acts 12, verse 5. Um, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And if we were to read that through, you'll find that um, as the church prayed, God sent an angel. He goes in, um, takes Peter, takes him out through the prison doors. And in fact, when he delivers him back to the church, they thought he was a ghost. They didn't realize it was Peter. And similarly, when Paul and Silas were in prison, it was their prayers of agreement that caused God to respond from heaven. And we uh, read the story of how their shackles fell off, uh, how an earthquake came, how the jailer and all his family got saved as a result of God turning up in prison. So if you're in a prison this morning, when God turns up, he breaks chains of bondage. And he can set you free. If you're bound or you know people who are bound, you can get somebody else to pray with you. Because God answers the prayers of his people. And we've seen many, many people set free by the power of God through the church praying. James 5.14 says, is anyone of you sick? And wow, haven't we had a, haven't we had a time with the flu over the last uh, few months? Um, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, that's the prayer prayed by the elders, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. When we pray together, the power of God is released in the situations and renewal and revival comes through the Holy Spirit. Corporate prayer was always one of the hallmarks of the early church. Acts 1.14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were all praying. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And again in Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Thousands of people got saved as the Holy Spirit was released through the disciples. The Holy Spirit came in in answer to corporate prayer. So if you want the power of the Holy Spirit released into your situation, join with someone and pray. I remember a number of years ago, we had a, a Welshman as part of our congregation. And he brought me Newspaper cuttings that his father had given him, which detailed aspects of the Welsh revival. They were amazing. Just to get those um, first-hand reports of what happened there. Evan Roberts was a uh, young boy uh, growing up, and in 1904, 
God used that man to spearhead the move of the Holy Spirit in, that, um, in the valleys of Wales. It was at his church prayer meetings that he stormed the heavens' heights. In fact, Robert, Roberts was told by one of the elders of the church never to miss a prayer meeting because the prayer meeting that he missed might be the one where the Holy Spirit fell. <laughs> and he didn't want to miss out on it. So that was, that was his operated modem operandus. He never missed a prayer meeting. And it was at those prayer meetings that God moved amazingly. Evan Roberts left school, uh, started preaching. 2,000 people got saved in five weeks. 150,000 were added to the church in the first year. Uh, Theatres and pubs and dance halls all closed. Judges were out of work because there was no one coming before the courts. Miners prayed before going down to the mines, and for a time, the pit ponies stopped work because they were unaccustomed to the clean language and no beatings. Whole soccer teams and rugby teams got saved. Schedules were abandoned because um, people were praying rather than playing. In fact, they tell us that when ships came into the territorial waters around the, the bottom of Wales there, the Holy Spirit would have hit those, play, those sailors. And often they would be out under the power of the Holy Spirit on the decks of the boats. Such was the power of God moving in that situation, those circumstances. All as a result of people getting together to pray. Man, wouldn't you like that for Whangarei? <laughs> wouldn't you like it as tourist boats come in? <laughs> that they get hit by the power of the Holy Spirit. People get saved. And if God can do that in a nation... How much easier can he bring revival and refreshing to your life and your family and your situation and your circumstances? Acts 3.19 says, Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And we need refreshing. Every one of us go through times where you get tired. Every one of us get, go through times where we get run down. And the key to breaking through those times is to press into God and ask him to come and refresh you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you can get somebody else to pray with you and pray for you, it makes all the difference. We need those times of refreshing. Uh, Whangarei needs those times of refreshing. This church needs times of refreshing. Uh, we all need a fresh visitation from God, but we need to recognize those specific areas and repent, cry out to God, cry out for a breakthrough. And finally, just as the musicians come, disasters can be avoided. You know, we're living in a time which the Bible describes as being perilous. There are wars, there are terrorists, there are earthquakes, there are famines, there are tsunamis, there are hurricanes, there are weather extremes of every kind. And in the natural, things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse. That's in the natural. But my Bible tells me that all of the earth is going to see the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And so what I see is while things in the natural are getting worse and worse and worse, in the spirit, I truly believe things are going to get better and better and better. There is going to be a separation between light and darkness, and that separation is getting wider. But with that width, there is becoming an ease for people to see 
the light. And so we need to take every opportunity that we can to tell people that God has got a plan for their life, that he loves them. Uh, It doesn't matter what the situation, it doesn't matter what the circumstance, it doesn't matter what the source of the problem is, it doesn't matter whether the source of the problem is your dumb mistakes, and every one of us make those. It doesn't matter whether the source of the problem is the enemy attacking. It doesn't matter whether the source of the problem is the fact that we are just living together in a world that is falling apart. And therefore, bad things in the natural can happen to good people. It doesn't matter what that situation is. God can turn it for good. And God can fix it. You know, he says that his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. So we're never going to understand everything about God. But there are some things that we can grasp, that we can understand. And one of the things that we can understand is that God loves us. That's the bottom line. God loves us. And secondly, He's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. It doesn't matter what we have done. Every one of us is only one prayer away from getting their life back on track with God. And he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven. He will forgive their sins and he will heal their land. That is a promise that God made to a nation. That was a promise that God made to his people, to the church. So if the church of Jesus Christ would wake up and begin to seek his face, who knows what he will do? God promises to answer corporate prayer, even to intervene in nature. He promises to heal our land. And that is what happens when we get together to pray. All of our small groups, most of them happen every two weeks spend time praying at our Thursday night prayer meeting we pray before the service on a Sunday morning there's a prayer meeting that you can be involved in a part of there's an intercessors prayer meeting at 6.30 on a Wednesday morning uh, I have a pastors prayer meeting at 8.30 to 9.30 on a Wednesday morning every week. And we've been praying, a group of us pastors have been praying for the last probably 19 years for unity in the city. And on the last Sunday of the month, there is a combined churches prayer meeting, which this church initiated and which we uh, organize every month. So coming up, uh, it must be 
probably 14th Sunday week, uh, we're going to Clark Road Chapel to pray on a Sunday night, and it's between 6.30 and 8 o'clock. So I want to encourage you to get together with somebody else and pray. Set aside time every month to pray in a group for God's plans and purposes to come to pass. If you can do it weekly and come to our weekly Thursday night prayer meeting, that would be absolutely fantastic from 7.30 to 8.30 on a Thursday night. If you can do it in your life groups, that would be fantastic. But do it. Do it. Do it. Our destiny is going to be determined by our prayers. So let's go to another level and let's pray and see what God will do. Amen? If we want revival in our nation, if we want revival in our city, if you want revival in your family, then get together with someone and pray.